Welcome inside the bubble. Mike and Micah back with you again for another breakdown of the NBA bubble. It's been a fun two weeks. We are finally done with the seeding games. A couple of teams have been eliminated. Uh, the Washington Wizards, thanks for coming. Uh, the Pelicans, you were disappointing. NBA did everything to get you into the playoffs and you still messed up, but thanks for coming. Uh, Sacramento, thanks for coming. San Antonio, after 22 great years, I think you could take a year off. And then the Phoenix Suns. You did everything you possibly could. Everything that was in front of you, you won. You went 8-0 and and were one game out of the playoffs. Micah, I just want to, before we get into our playoff breakdown, I just want to get into appreciating this Suns team. Because truly, I didn't expect much from them. It, I, had the same, I had the same tone with the Suns that I had with the Spurs and uh, the Kings. You were there just to fill it out. And I wasn't going to talk about you or waste my breath on the podcast. But as we went through 3-0 and 4-0 and 5-0 and, and, and eventually 8-0, and we had to talk about them. And I was rooting for them yesterday to make it. I wanted Memphis to lose because they aren't at 100%. In the playing game, I don't think it will be as fun. We'll get to that, though. Phoenix went 8-0. and Devin Booker is a superstar. DeAndre Ayton is starting to live up to that number one pick. I know it's not the same because he had Luka and Trey in his draft, but it takes a little bit longer for a big man to get it going in the league. And Cam Johnson was able to make his name here and show that he's going to be a good role player in the NBA for eight to ten years to come. So I just wanted to appreciate the Phoenix Suns. Michael, what what did you enjoy of this Phoenix Suns 8-0 run now that um, they're done in the bubble? I think the biggest thing to take away from the Suns honestly, is the fact that they're doing this without a true vet. I mean, their oldest player on the team is Ricky Rubio. Um, You know, that was a guy that's been in the league for a while. He is technically a vet, and that's a perfect vet to have on a team that is super young, and they have so many pieces that I don't even think are going to, you know, buy for a bigger role somewhere else. This is like a team that's probably going to be together for the next five years, mostly because guys on this team besides Devin Booker and maybe DeAndre Ayton, where he's playing, they don't have much value anywhere else. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's scary when a team is like that. It reminds me a lot of, you know, early 2000s, like uh, Mavs, when it's just a lot of guys trying to prove themselves. And maybe, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs, you know, starting, you know, when they were all young. But the more you win and the more you learn how to win, it's only going to be up from there. So them going 8-0 and and Devin Booker solidifying himself as a guy that you can't leave off all-star rosters anymore. It's not one of those things where he's fighting, him and Bradley Beal are fighting for, uh, you know, a tip of the hat getting into the all-star game. No, he's in the all-star game now. He's in consideration for All-NBA every year. He's in consideration to be a a top five two-guard if he wasn't already. He's there. He's right there now. And then you have DeAndre Ayton, who is quietly becoming one of the more solid player than one of the more defensively minded players. And then the roster kind of just fills out from there. You have guys like Mikhail Bridges, who is a good player. I mean, we even, I like mean, really the, the Sixers would definitely be, would be using him now if they still had him. Exactly. And it's like looking at this roster, it's one of those things where like they have the guys who maybe they were too young on playoff teams, or maybe they were at that point where it was like, okay, maybe they be, they might be asking for a little bit too much money when it comes contract time. I'm like, thinking about Kelly Oubre and things like that. But then you have guys like Dario Stark who are perfect on the team, Elio Kobo, who is going to end up being a good player. All these guys are kind of just coming together. Sheck Diallo, you know, Javon Carter from West Virginia, who 
who nobody really expected him to be playing minutes like this coming out, but he turns into a great defensive point guard. You're, you're starting to see baby Marcus Smart. That's exactly. Every time I see him, I think he's baby Marcus Smart. And he, you know, and that's the same intensity that maybe on a lesser level we saw from him in college. But it's like one of those things where, like, you get a roster like this with the right mindset, and they learn how to win. I think this is the perfect opportunity for them. I mean, the sky can be the limit. I think now, and we talked that I talked about it before. The West is one of those like, you know, it's one of those conferences where they're fourteen deep now. And if the Suns are, are your 14th team, they might be able to pull off 40 wins, 42 wins. And it might be one of the most competitive Western conferences we've seen, which is crazy because for the last 20 years, I feel like that's been kind of the, you know, the scenario has been going on. But now anybody can make the playoffs. And the Suns are right there. So shout out to them. They absolutely – there was a – you know, they were talking about bubble MVPs. I know what Dame did, but I'll still give it to Devin Booker. Even though I, I see I was, what... I, I was actually just about to bring that up. I don't know why we're giving – like, yeah, Dame got the points, but 8-0 and no is hard to do when you're facing teams Bro, where 14, almost every team you played was, like, trying 14 to – 14 that was considered a lottery team. Like, you know, the Blazers were never supposed to be as bad as they were. They kind of didn't handle their business going and, you know, coming into this part of the season. And really during the regular season when it mattered, they weren't as great as they should have been for, you know, multiple reasons that we'll probably talk about some other time. But the Suns – they were never supposed to be this great. They, you know, them being in a bubble was one of those things where they were supposed to lay down for teams like the Grizzlies, teams like the Blazers, teams like the Spurs, teams like the Pelicans. And they were a lot, they were the team like on the last day where like, well, we might be able to see them into the play in, which is which is great for them. So shout out to the Sun, shout out to D Book. Uh I love I want to watch this team just more. I want to see them play more ball because they're really exciting. Yeah. Um this this upcoming season that we're going to have after obviously the bubble's over, I'm just excited to watch a bunch of teams. I want to see what the Suns are going to do. I want to see what even like a team like the Timberwolves in the West, mm-hmm. where you got D'Lo and Carl Anthony. They have Towns, two borderline stars. Yeah, and see and see what that can be. And you have um, you have a team like Sacramento with uh, Fox, who once he starts going, it's in, like like you said, the West is going to be 14 teams deep at least, and anybody can win on any given night. And that's what you really want in the NBA. Um, when Golden State, obviously the super team was dismantled, you get more parity. Obviously you have a situation with LeBron and AD, Kawhi and PG, and you have the top teams, but you still have that, oh, maybe Denver can get them or maybe Houston mm-hmm. can get them. And that's not really something we've had in the past um, five years. I think that is the biggest knock from uh, the, the super team is that, it kind of becomes boring in the playoffs. But I can say uh, last year, going into the playoffs, I wasn't excited because obviously um, KD and Clay weren't hurt. So it was just like, oh, okay. Warriors win again, and then KD's gone. As we went on, it got more and more exciting. KD gets hurt. Uh, they beat the Blazers, and then Clay gets hurt, and you're like, oh, okay, we're getting a new champ. Coming into this year, because we knew there was no KD, and we, because we knew there was no Clay, they, there were six or seven teams we said, realistically win the championship i think the sixers obviously fell out of that original list but there's still like four or five teams where you're like if they win i'm not going to be totally shocked and the phoenix suns yeah it sucks they're in the west because it's so top heavy well it's not even top heavy. it's just like it's so stacked all the way through Mm -hmm. that they're not going to be able to i think break into a top four team in the west but they have something to build on you have Aiton, you have booker you have uber once he comes back um healthy you have baines uh they didn't even have Baines in the bubble as as a big man who can also stretch the floor for you. So it's going to be super interesting to watch what where they go from here. 
again, just wanted to shout out the Suns because we weren't planning on talking about them throughout the bubble, but they made us. Um, moving on from them, I want to start first with the 8-9 play-in. So the Blazers were able to squeak by the Nets, 134-133. The Memphis Grizzlies blew out uh, the giannis Les Bucks. So uh, Portland has to win one game before Memphis wins two games. Micah, obviously, I think we're both going to pick Blazers, but is there any way that you can see Memphis winning those winning two games before the Blazers can win one? Honestly, I don't really think there's a, a way. And then the only way it could be the way I literally have to play probably the best perimeter defense that they're, they possibly can play. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, yes, I love John Morant, and I love what he can do on the court. But it would take, like, a monumental breakdown from the Blazers to give this up right now. And who knows with this bubble, I mean, who knows? But I don't think it's going to happen. So I would I would say the Blazers win one game before the Memphis Grizzlies win two. Um, the Blazers pretty much just have to handle their business, and I think they will. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if if uh, Triple J was there, I think it would be more of a conversation. Yeah, they but wouldn't have lost all those games. The Memphis went, what, two and six in uh, in – games and they didn't look very good i mean the reason why they beat the bucks is the bucks sat everywhere mm-hmm. so there was there was no reason for them to lose but the way the blazers are playing and the way dame is out of his mind i think for the purposes of this episode which is going to be our playoff preview we're just going to stick with um portland as an eight seed and go on from there so first let's start in the western conference uh micah so i want i want you to give down breakdown and then uh who you have winning and how many games first we'll start with the Lakers versus the Blazers. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, this Blazers team, their offense is really clicking. And if the Lakers offense isn't at the same way, especially the way they're hitting the three, the Lakers could find themselves in some trouble. So what do you see coming out of this series? Well, I think the Lakers will find themselves in some trouble. Um, trouble being like the game, probably, I mean, the series will probably get pushed to six. Um, the Lakers will still win. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, simply be, they just have more talent, uh, you know, top end talent. Um, Dame Lillard is probably on the same level as LeBron and AD as far as being a top 10 player. But when you look down that list, you're looking at a lot of variables for the Portland Trailblazers that just they're not on the same level as their two top guys or even, you know, filling in those third spots. I mean, am I relying on CJ McCollum to, you know, he's been hurt. He's been perennially hurt this whole thing. Am I, you know, relying on him to get as many buckets as he can? Am I going to rely on him to be that second leading scorer? Probably not. And it's probably not going to happen. Um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, great ball from guys like Gary Trent and things like that. He's probably going to end up putting up a lot of points. But the problem is defense. I have yet to see the Portland Trailblazers play realistic defense, maybe like one game. But outside of that, it's really just not going to happen. And I love how this Portland Trailblazers team is constructed. But if Dame doesn't go for 40 or 50 every game, they're not winning that game. It's, pretty, it's been pretty evident for, you know, getting into this spot where they're just in the play-in. Dame had to take it to another level. What was it? 150 plus points in 156 games, points in three games, which is ridiculous. If you want to do the math on that, it's a lot of points for in three games per game. Um, I don't think that's sustainable. And as much as I love Dame, he's his cap probably for the series would be like 35, which is still ridiculous. But to ask him to do 50 points a game is just it's not going to happen. So I think the Lakers take this in six. Um, mentioned it though. Um, the Lakers' perimeter defense is absolutely horrid and. I hope to God they've been getting reps at, like, you know, switching on guys, you know, blocking, uh, you know, contesting threes and things like that because it's just going to be bad. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers are going to shoot. They're going to take all the shots they need. Um, And the Lakers just going to have to play better than them. I think it goes to six. 
it's not the ideal first round for the Lakers, but I think they get it done regardless. Yeah, I I think I was a little bit uh, if we had this conversation last week, I probably would have had the uh, Lakers in six. After watching that Blazers game yesterday, they can't rebound. Mm-hmm. And they are going to have a trouble trouble on the offensive glass. If you have somebody like AD, who is very tall, very long, like uh, can crash the boards, it's maybe a problem for the uh, Blazers. I think the Blazers will be able to take one game from the Lakers, but I think it's Lakers in five. I think Lakers, uh, LeBron obviously turns it up in the playoffs, and he will take another step to becoming that guy, becoming the best player in the world when he wants to. And I just don't think they'll be able to stop him at that point with um, with everything that's, that the Lakers have going on. And especially in a first round where you want to make sure you start off right and you start rolling, I don't think the Lakers are going to take any game really for granted or lollygag. We'll get to other series where I think that may happen. But the Blazers' problem with offensive rebound and barely beating the Brooklyn Nets team, and I know it's still an NBA team, but with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen as the top two players on that team and Joe Harris – it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to be like, yeah, that's a team that I could see winning multiple games. Mm-hmm. It, they could, if, like you said, Dame has to score 50-plus in the game, in those two games if they want to. But at a point where you have LeBron, when he wants to lock somebody down, he will. And if he's in the mode where he's like, okay, I'll let CJ cook us. I mean, he, he's like <laughs> you said, he's injured. I'll let Gary Trent cook us or, shoot, leave Melo wide open. Then it's going to be a problem. So I, I think I'll go with Lakers in five just off the fact that Dame has to be outer body to potentially even try uh, to win this series. But moving on, we have the Clippers and uh, the Clippers and the Mavericks. So Luca Porzingis, Kawhi PG. We saw this game in, in um, the uh, the what is it the exhibition games mm-hmm. or not exhibition but the uh, the seeding games. I yeah, mean. yeah. We saw we saw them in the seeding games. The Clippers won. Both teams at relative, relatively full strength. Um, it's going to be a, a high-scoring matchup because that Mavericks team can score with anyone. Who do you have in this series and in how many games, Michael? Honestly, and, you know, I'm just not trying to repeat myself with the six games, but I think this is – if, you know, the Portland series is not a realistic six games, I think this might actually be a realistic, a realistic six games. Um, The Clippers, I don't I'm, – I'm still a little iffy on them. Yes, I mean, they – they did what they do, and they're going to they, – I felt like they played the seeding games okay. Like, they, mm-hmm. they they didn't, you know, show too much. But they also rested Kawhi and PG on, on nights. They kind of gave them, you know, here, Kawhi, you get this night off. Here, PG, you get this night off. Pat Bev didn't play too much. They still missing Trez, um, Trez Harrell. Like, it, the Clippers, I mean, they're going to pull it together, and they're going to do what they do. I think they win this in six. But, I mean, the Mavs are, are – they just like you said, they, they just get hot, and one of those nights or two of those nights, Luca's gonna have a, a a close to a thirty twenty ten, regardless of who's playing. He's that kind of talent. Porzingis is gonna have one of those nights where he's playing really really well. It's just about is it sustainable? Once again, it's kind of the same thing with the Blazers. I don't know. I don't think this team is primed yet to win a series. So I mean, I think five or six games is probably the maximum it goes. I'll give them six games, um, just for the benefit of that. I think the Clippers lose a game that they shouldn't, and I think the Mavs win a game, like, you know, like they actually should. So uh, I'll say Clippers in six. I don't – all right. So where I am with this series right now, I have this series going to seven. Mm. And 
I'm not going to pick the Dallas Mavericks as much as I want to. I'm not going <laughs> to pick the Dallas Mavericks, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with the Clippers in seven. We saw last year with the Toronto Raptors in the first game of the playoffs, they lost to a lowly Magic team. I don't. I'm not blaming it on Kawhi or anything, but I think that Kawhi is somebody that needs to get going. He needs to get in the flow of games before he really starts. Um, before he really starts going, we saw it in the first couple of games. He, he didn't have the greatest first couple of games, mm-hmm. uh, seeding games. But then as he started rolling, he, he he was able to get it going. But the level at which Luca is currently playing at is not something I think the Clippers are truly prepared for in the first round. Luca is at a level watching that watching him against the Bucks is at a level where it's going to be tough to put him out every single night. He's never going to be out of a game where you're blowing them out. The Clippers are a great team, but I think that Mavericks can push the Clippers to the brink. I, I have Clippers in seven because Paul George in the playoffs, it's a joke, but it's also very true. He's hasn't come up in very clutch situations. If Luka can get production where Porzingis is giving you 25 to 30 points a game, it's starting to look like a team that can be very dangerous. The Mavericks are a team um, next year that I could easily see in the top four. And I know you said that article a couple of weeks ago about how the Mavericks, um, the Mavericks have the cap space currently that if a superstar in Giannis wants to come yes, over, sir. they could go ahead and build a super team. I don't think the Mavericks are going to win this series, but I'll go out on the limb there and say the Mavericks push the Clippers to the brink and, and get them in, in seven games because I definitely do think it's possible for that firepower to be able to match what the Clippers um, have going. Something to watch, though, is that Trez, I think, is completing his quarantine in about two days or so, so he may be available for um, the first game of, of the playoffs, maybe the second. But if he's able to get going with it by game three or game four of the series and get his wind up, that's also a, a factor that may play uh, huge for the Clippers. Moving on, we have Denver and Utah, uh, two teams that we saw in the bubble go to, a, what was it, a two-overtime mm-hmm. game. Very compelling. Michael Porter Jr. was amazing. Donovan Mitchell was amazing. Two teams that are that have been in the mix for that top that top half of the Western Conference for the past couple of years. Michael, what do you got going on in this series? Um, Denver and seven. As close as it was in that two overtime game. I mean, I think it carries over. This these two teams are really competitive, and it wasn't just like a fluke thing. Like it's one of those things where it could go back and forth, and I think it goes like that. Um. Technically, what the Nuggets have the advantage in, I guess, home games, even though there's no home uh, home court advantage. And I think it goes like that. Every technical home game, I feel like the teams might win. I think it'll be that competitive. Um, These teams are meant to play each other. And it's one of those things that's probably going to be the best first round matchup. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be the first uh, the best first round matchup, at least on this side of the bracket, maybe mm-hmm. inside in the whole entire playoffs. But um, I mean, the Nuggets are. Definitely way more talented than the Utah Jazz. But the Jazz have been there in this capacity a little bit more, I feel like. And, yes, it doesn't mean they've had true playoff success. But the the way the Nuggets are kind of rolling themselves out right now and the youth and things like that, you know, inserting Michael Porter Jr. and getting – I expect Bobo to play a little bit of minutes. I don't expect him to play a big factor. I think they're going to be – I think, you know, their youth and stuff is going to show. And just show that, you know, this team is great, but they're not there yet. So uh, I would say Nuggets in seven, but it's probably going to be the best first round uh, series we see. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally there with the uh, best first round series. I like Nuggets in six. Um, I just don't know if if after a while with Utah, how are they going to be able to score mm-hmm. once you start to lock down Donovan Mitchell? Because I think the difference between 
obviously regular season and playoffs is you're focusing in on one team. And I love Mike Malone. And I think the way that he is able to prepare for games, once they start honing in on how exactly are we getting uh, to shut down Donovan Mitchell, you're going to see the Nuggets starting to pull away. It's going to be a very competitive series. I could, I could definitely see it going seven. And I personally, I could see Utah winning this series. Um, like you said, they, they've done it before. They've been able to um, go ahead and beat uh, OKC team with Russ and PG. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not anything new to them, but it comes down to Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. How much are they, are they going to help? Um, how much are they going to help? Um, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell in points and making sure that they're there for oops if you're uh, Rudy Gobert and helping him when he's driving and kicking out for the open three if you're uh, Mike Conley. So Conley, Gobert, Royce O'Neal, all of those guys, they're going to have to be able to step up if they want to beat this Nuggets team. The only issue that I also have with the Nuggets is they did they only played first halves for the last three or four games of the seeding game. I don't know if Mike Malone was like their win is already uh, is already very good and they're good to go for when game time starts. But it is something where you have to be able to see yourself finishing those games. Mm-hmm. And they haven't finished finished any game in a while. They lost the last couple of, of their games because they played their bench players. So I'm interested to see what they're able to do once everything goes down. But we've said it before. This is Michael Porter Jr.'s coming out party. He, he's going to go ahead in, in these playoffs and completely dominate. And I think it'll be super fun to watch him in that first round, averaging 24 points a game. Um, moving on, final series in the Western Conference, OKC and Houston. I mean, <laughs> what, obviously we didn't know the minute it happened, but after the season started to get going, we knew that we were, get, we were going to get an OKC and Houston matchup. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what all NBA fans deserve. Chris Paul versus James Harden going at it. Russ versus his former team. It's, it's just all the beautiful makings of it. One biggest issue right now, Russell Westbrook yep. is hurt, and they don't know, they don't have a timeline yet for when he's going to come back. They said he's going to miss the first, at least the first couple of games of the playoffs. But does that mean game one and game two? Does that mean first four games? We don't know where it's going to go. And we saw what happened when James Harden was the only person uh, on that Rockets team that was able to score. He put up what was it, forty something points. Mm-hmm. I think it was he put up 40-something points and still lost to the Pacers by four points. Maybe 50 points. It, it was it was a crazy stat line, but still lost to the Pacers. Are we going to see more of the same where in the playoffs where Houston and OKC are going head up, and because you have no Russell Westbrook, Houston is going to fall behind and maybe not be able to overcome OKC in this first round? Honestly, you just took the words right out of my mouth. If Russell Westbrook ends up missing, because we know he's not going to play game one, but if he misses game two, it might be a situation where the Thunder are up 2-0, and I don't know if the Rockets simply have the firepower to come back. It's going to be a big task for Russell Westbrook, as great as he is, to just jump into the game three and, you know, be a true difference, especially when Chris Paul is leading this Thunder team. And we know how much of an orchestrator he is and how well this team plays under him just being the general. Um, I, I mean, shoot, if the Thunder get out to a 2-0 lead, I don't see this going past five. And, it's even with Russ coming back, it's hard to just jump into these games. It's what we're seeing. It's hard just to get into it. It's not. There's no crowd factor. There's nothing. Especially with a ham, hamstring injury, too. So Exactly. Like you can't even overexert yourself coming and back. And his game injury. is pure explosiveness. Like, yes, if they were matching up and Russ was fully healthy, Russ would give CP3 problem, especially at CP3's age. 
which is probably mm-hmm. one of the reasons why CB3 is there right now because he's way better of an option for James Harden. But when Russ isn't on the floor, you're asking James Harden to do a monumental task. And without a big man, you're, he doesn't have anybody else really to defer to. I mean, there's no there's nobody else really out there that's going to be able to put the ball on the floor and do things that Russell Westbrook can do. And there's nobody that you can get cheap points in in the paint or draw fouls that's big enough in the post. You're not asking Jeff Green to be your enforcer. And you're certainly not asking P.J. Tucker. Um, when Russell Westbrook is out, it's one of the times where they really need a big man, and I think it's going to show. Um, I just, man, the Thunder, uh, they're not necessarily uh, – I feel like, you know, talent-wise they're probably even, and they bring different things to the table. But I would honestly take the Thunder in this, and Russell Westbrook doesn't play. I would say five or six, but the Thunder definitely win this. Yeah, I'm currently at a point where I didn't think I was going to pick – I was going to pick OKC coming into the weekend, but with the rust injury, I'm going to have to switch time, up. big time, bro. Um, it, it, it's a huge loss. We saw that they lost by four to the Pacers. Harden put up amazing numbers. They are getting Eric Gordon back, but that's still not enough, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. I'm going Thunder in six. Um, I think Russ maybe comes back game four, maybe help win a game or two. But I think the Thunder, just because they're healthy, they're ready to go, they're a well-oiled machine, they're just going to be able to overpower um, OKC. So we'll get to – obviously, we'll get to after um, – each round is complete. We'll keep do, we'll keep doing our updated, so we won't give who we have going on and who we have winning at all. So we're going to move over to the Eastern Conference. Round one, we have Milwaukee and Orlando. Current Orlando sent Mo Bamba home um, because of some. It was very area like some COVID post COVID evaluation to see what's going on with him. He wasn't really much in the bubble. Jonathan Isaac, obviously, we saw towards uh, ACL. The Bucks are had the best record in the NBA this year. Uh, presumably probably going to have the MVP uh, also this year, have the coach of the year. So, Michael, what do you see from uh, this Bucks orlando series? So, coming into this, this was pretty much what we expected. We never really expected the Wizards to get the plan. So, the East has kind of been set besides, you know, those teams in the middle. It's always been the Bucks are probably going to play the magic to start. And coming into this, you know, coming before all the injuries and things like that, Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba are key reasons to why I thought the Magic could push the Bucks to the brink. You know, they could push them to the edge. You know, I consider the edge six or seven games for a one to eight. Um, and I definitely think that the Magic and the Heat are two teams that give the Bucks problems. It's just because they kind of play the same style as the Bucks. And, you know, we have a, you know, they're gonna roll out a tall lineup, they're gonna play physical, and they're gonna get points. And it's not gonna be it's not gonna be one of those one twenty five to one you know twenty kind of games, but they're gonna be scoring in the high nineties, maybe a hundred. So you won't see a score past them like one ten. But with Jonathan Isaac getting hurt, which was really unfortunate, and Mo Bamba, you know, going through what he's going through, this team I don't want to say it's decimated, but those are two big pieces, probably two of the biggest pieces. Um. We saw Marco Foles do a little bit, but he's not hes not going to be that guy. He's not going to be that guy right now, at least. Um, outside of really Aaron Gordon and what you're getting out of uh, Nikola Vucevic, of course, uh, Evan Fournier is going to always be a great shooter. What else is there? It, it's, it's, one of the, it's just disappointing that this team didn't come at full strength because they, I feel like they were a team that really give the Bucs, you know, issues. Um, I feel like right now, at this point, the Bucs win five. Uh, Magic will be able to steal a game. Uh, the Bucks have a you know tendency to I will say play down to their competition because it's such a well oiled machine that when they give up games it looks bad. So like I expect them to play down to their competition, but with those injuries, man, um, Bucks and five, it, it, it could have been really competitive. But I don't think it would be so much right now. 
Yeah, I'm going Bucks in four. I just don't think they have anybody that can yeah. stop. Giannis, at this point, you said Bamba and Isaac, two of the tallest guys on their team that will be able to run with him. But I don't think you're going to be able to have that uh, now. And if Giannis isn't going to be able to be stopped in transition, over. Yeah. I don't see how you're, how you're really going to be able to uh, win a game. Moving on, Toronto and Brooklyn. Brooklyn gave Portland a fit yesterday, almost knocked them out of the playoffs. Toronto, been pretty good in the bubble, pretty solid, a team that's shown that they have an ability to go far and have a lot of good pieces. Not that necessarily great piece, but very seven to eight very good pieces. So, Michael, what do you, what do you see in the series? You know, this is very interesting because the Nets, like, the game that they played yesterday is, I don't know if it's sustainable. Yes, Karis LeVert, he, he played his ass off. I mean, going really just shot for shot with Dame and down that fourth quarter was like, it was really nice to see, um, but I don't think that's necessarily their thing. Like that, that's not them. That's not the team's identity. I mean, they're good. They they're a good team. Like coach, they it's like it's weird with the Nets. They shouldn't probably be as good as they've been without their two stars, but they have been. Um, are they good enough to beat the Raptors? No, not really. Um, I will say this goes to five as well. As well as as well as Karis Levert can play, and as well as these Brooklyn Nets can step up, it's just it's it's a level, it's just a talent level thing, man. Like really, they're just pulling out. I mean, they're pulling out nothing outside. I mean, they're really, of course, they're missing their guys, but there's not enough firepower to stop the Raptors. The coaching is, is a big thing. I mean, Jock Vaughn or Nick Nurse, like I'm taking Nick Nurse. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate that we're not seeing a healthy Nets team, you know, with their stars and everything like that, but they're here. And it's just, I mean, it is what it is. The Raptors are going to handle their business. Uh, I say it's another five. It might actually, you know what? I'll say it's a sweep, honestly. I say the Raptors, uh, the Raptors sweep the Nets, and, you know, just going to get the round two. They're waiting for the Celtics or the Sixers. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Raptors in mm-hmm. five. I think the Nets will maybe get a game where it's literally like a Blazers game where they catch fire and can't miss, and you have Joe Harrison, Levert going off. But besides that, the problem with with the East and the West is the bottom teams are so yeah. bad <laughs> that I think those games just most a lot of those games are going to be um, unwatchable to me. Moving on, three six Boston Philly. Mm. Philly's without uh, Ben Simmons for the rest of the playoffs, and Bede is still dealing with the ankle thing. What do you see from uh, this series? And Boston, on the other hand, has looked very good uh, in the bubble. Kind of started off slow with Jason Tatum's uh, mini throw game, but after that. They've been pretty. They've been pretty exciting to watch the past couple of years. Uh, Soldiers are making a statement. Uh, I think they squeaked the Sixers. Simply put, um, as much as I want to give and be the credit, and as much as I like, you know, Brett Brown and what he's done with the Sixers, um, it's it's crazy how Ben Simmons doesn't do much, but he actually plays a role on that team. He's actually pretty important to them, and they're actually going to miss him surprisingly. Even though I don't really think they were going to win this uh, this first round anyway without him and just relying on Embiid and, and Tobias Harris and, and Al Horford, I, it's, that's not the recipe. It's just not going to be it. Um, Sixers are pretenders to me, the absolute pretenders. And I, I think Celtics come out here and they really handle their business. And, you know, they put their foot down finally on this little back and forth that they've kind of had. I mean, the Celtics have all the momentum coming into this. Um, They're finally finding out their, you know, their recipe and their recipe is, let Jason Tatum score and make sure Jalen Brown gets at least 20 points and you'll be okay. As long as Gordon Hayward gets around 18 and they play decently in the interior, 
Um, they'll be fine. And, you know, Joel Embiid is going to do whatever he wants with Ennis Cantor, like literally whatever he wants. But he's going to be the only guy. Um, unless they, you know, the Sixers go tall and they throw out Al Horford with there as well. I, maybe you see a little something, but I'm not really expecting it. And I would give the Sixers the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the Celtics in the benefit of the doubt. And I think they sweep them as well. I think, I think really that bottom side of the bracket, you might be seeing games go to five or sweep it. It's you know, healthy, these series are probably a lot more uh, competitive, but right now it's just looking like team. It looks like, it, honestly looking like the Raptors and Celtics are going to be meeting in round two. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with you there. I'm going, I'm going completely, I'm going completely with Celtics and four. I told you I'm done with yeah. the, I'm done oh, with yeah, the yeah, yeah. We know. <laughs> you have to pick between Embiid and Simmons. Simmons is hurt. Embiid is not even 100%. We're just going to go ahead and, um, yeah, pack up shot, bro. we're going to go ahead and yeah. call it. Boston Boston is looking really good. They're, they're full team. I was going to say something about them being tall and having an issue with that, but I'm not even thinking about that. I'm not even worried about uh, not having the length to match up with the Sixers. Maybe the Sixers still won. Doubt it. I'm going Boston in um, going Boston in four games, and let's let's fire Brett Brown. Let's trade other and beat in Simmons, and let's start this all over again. That's <laughs> that's that's just where I am with um with this series, and then. I think the number two series that I want to yeah. watch, just be based on drama and stuff, Indiana and Miami. Uh, Miami is taking care of Indiana all times uh, this season um, when everybody's healthy. Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren. Warren wasn't able to have a great game, but this is a series. And do you see any way that Indiana Pacers can beat the Miami Heat? Man, um, I think, you know, and similar to how – Similar to how we talked about this Nuggets and Jazz series, and this is actually the other series I was talking about when I was like, it might, it could be between these two, you know, as the most competitive series. This series could go to seven just because of, once again, these teams are kind of perfect for each other. And these teams kind of like, they, they on the court, like they're, I don't want to say they're similar, but you're not going to find too much of a difference in the score. Like it is not a distinct advantage that one team has over the other. It's really just going to be basketball. Like, who makes the better play? Who plays a cleaner game? That's going to win these series from really the, um, you know, both series that we talked about. So, I would honestly, right now, I would take I would take the Heat in seven. And that's not indicative on the Pacers, and, you know, if they're a good team or a bad team, because they're a great team. Um, I think the key for them is obviously T.J. Warren stepping up. But, you know, Victor Oladipo, I think if Victor Oladipo gets back to a little bit of that level, he's been hurt. So he's not going to be truly at that level. But if Victor Oladipo shows up and if Miles Turner can do something with really just – I don't want to say Bam Adebayo is probably the Heat's X factor, but he is. Them, I mean, Bam Adebayo and their shooting is really what makes that go. Jimmy Butler is never going to be that 30-point guy, but really their big men and three-point shooting is what's getting them there. So the Pacers can find something for that, then maybe they have a chance. But uh, I would take the Heat in seven just because of what I said. I think the I think the Heat's three point shooting is ridiculous, and I think their big play and the way they can get physical is is unmatched right now. So I would take the Heat in seven. This is going to be really competitive, though. Yeah, same. I'm going exactly with you there. Heat in seven. Um, I think it's going to go back and forth, but I think Jimmy Butler is going to be able to mm-hmm. pull it out over the Pacers. These are two teams that I think are pretty evenly matched. Uh, I love the matchup between Miles Turner and Bam Adebayo. I talked about it in our last podcast, and they both went at each other in that uh, Heat Pacers game. Heat won by twenty something points. I don't think yeah, that's, that's not that's not the norm. 
that's not going to be the norm. I, I think it was an outlier, and I think we're going to get competitive games in the playoffs. So I also will go um, with Heat in seven. But that's going to wrap it up for this podcast as our playoff preview. We'll come back in uh, a couple of days. To, I think maybe after the first, after every team has gone through the first two games, just to give you our updated thoughts on what we think is happening in the playoffs. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.